welcome to View from the Press Box, which I think I'm going to be renaming View from my office. I keep saying that, Ron Bellamy. And I wanted to welcome Ron Bellamy to the podcast. I think Michigan fans know you as a receiver at the with the Wolverines. Mm-hmm. But I think maybe more people now know you as the West Bloomfield head football coach. Do you think that's fair? I think that's fair. I think that's fair uh, to say, uh, you know, we have a lot of kids that go, they play for schools around the country and, you know, everyone kind of uh, like, oh, that's the guy that played in Michigan, but, uh, you know, the West Bloomfield coach. So I'm, I'm okay with that title. That means we're doing something good. So before we get to your coaching, I mean, you're in your, you have a very cool office with a lot of very cool memorabilia. You have some game balls. It looks like some Michigan game balls. Uh-huh. Significant moments for you? Absolutely. Um, I have a, a game ball from the Orange Bowl versus Alabama, 35-34, uh, Tom Brady's last game as a Wolverine. I have a game ball from um, the Outback Bowl versus the University of Florida, um, which was a, you know, it was pretty cool. That was uh, one of the first times Michigan ever played the University of Florida and got a chance to beat those guys with a very talented roster. Happened to be my last college game. Um, I have a game ball versus um, uh, Auburn University. Um, so I try to keep the game balls from bowl games that I won. Um, the only one I was 3-1 in bowl games, I let my, my dad keep the one against Tennessee where we got uh, demolished. So he has that <laughs> one. He has, he has all accessories from uh, those bowl gifts. That was the year that uh, everyone got trapped in Orlando. I think that was the big snowstorm year, wasn't it? And that yeah. was a Tennessee team that probably should have been playing for a national championship, wasn't it? Yeah, you know what? We knew we were doomed when um, Albert Hainsworth, John Henderson, the, the most dynamic, uh, the toughest defensive line we faced my four years at Michigan. And um, our stance was that was, I want to say, I believe that was, uh, was Trussell's second year. Yeah, first, no, second, first year, I'm sorry. That was Trussell's first year. We did not run the ball well against Ohio State. And I remember uh, Stan Parrish was our offensive coordinator. And he said, we are going to run the football. We're going to run the football right down the middle of that defense. We're like, these are two first-round uh, defensive tackles. That, that's not going to happen. We're a very inexperienced offensive line at that point. Uh, needless to say, we tried to force the run, and uh, we got ran off the field. <laughs> <laughs> that Orange Bowl game, though, the 2000 game, I mean, that, I got to tell you, from our vantage in the press box, we could not see that kick, that extra point. I mean, were you, did you have a good view of that, or were you watching, or do you look away when kickers are kicking? No, I, you know, to be honest with you, I was prepared for the, you know, second overtime. Mm-hmm. You know, so I was like, all right, whatever, you know, usually extra points are automatic, and um, we're getting ready for that, and he missed it, and we're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you take it, and you run off the field, just don't let them get a chance to redo it again, and game was over, but... uh you know, you want to win those games, but sometimes, you know, now looking back from a coaching standpoint, it sucks that a, a kicker had to lose a game, you know, to that magnitude for us to win the game. But, uh, you know, we, we beat a really good Alabama football team and uh, we sent our seniors out the right way. Yeah, I mean, it was the way we the way we were positioned in the press box, Ron, I mean, we couldn't see the angle. So the only way I knew it was missed is I saw all the Michigan fans in the end zone get up and, you know, they start celebrating. But uh, that performance, when you look back and maybe you look at it through the lens of a coach now uh, when you look at that game, but Tom Brady, that performance in that game, uh, was that, should we have known from, from that game what he was capable of doing at the next level? Yeah, absolutely. You know, Tom was always a really – he was a very good football player, but to, to, to envision him winning six Super Bowls, <laughs> being the guy that he is today, you know, I don't think anyone could have envisioned that 
But as far as what he's doing on the field, you know, the completions, um, yeah, you know, Tom was destined for that. Uh, had the strongest arm, but he was extremely accurate. He was an awesome leader in college. And, uh, you know, and most importantly for Tom, he was the ultimate competitor. So, uh, and I think that kind of took time to, to, to where he is. The adversity that he faced at the University of Michigan helped mold him into the man that he is today. You know, you came from Louisiana. There have been a few. I mean, Fred Jackson was on the staff. He was from Louisiana. Chris Howard, running back from Louisiana. Ward Manuel was from Louisiana. I mean, you're way down there. I mean, what did you know about Michigan? I mean, did you pay attention? Or that's, it seems like it's sort of out of touch for you now in Louisiana. Funny, funny story. Uh, 1997, um, I was a junior in high school. And we were getting ready to play, uh, you know, Peyton Manning, the Manning brothers are from my hometown. And it, it was the, uh, we're getting ready to play the state championship game. And they stopped the, they stopped the state championship game. We delayed a little bit so we could hit a Heisman trophy. Everyone thought that Peyton Manning was going to run away with the Heisman. And they made an announcement. The winner of the 1997 Heisman Memorial Trophy goes to Charles Woodson. Everyone just booed, you know, <laughs> so, um, that was one of the first moments that I uh, really knew, you know, Michigan kind of was on the spot for me. Um, in high school, we played at Saturday around noon. So we never really got a chance to watch Michigan football games. You know, you'll come home and turn on ESPN or, or any of the local affiliates and, you know, you'll watch, uh, you know, uh, SEC football. You know, that's, mm -hmm. that's where we're in SEC territory. And uh, we watched a lot of that. But, uh, you know, needless to say, you know, we, we did have Louisiana guys, Leroy Horde, who's older than I am, but That's right. he's a New Orleans guy. And um, I knew a couple of the guys, James Hall played at Michigan. Uh, right. His mother was my, his mother taught my mom in high school. Wow. We knew about A-Train was two years older than I was. So he was at Michigan at the time. So I knew about him. So uh, we did have some relationships, um, you know, back then. But, you know, for me, a lot of people don't know uh, the driving force behind my decision was. Uh, you know, you look at Michigan, it's funny. Um, I took a recruiting trip to Southern Cal, and at the time, the coach who recruited me was Ed Ogeron, LSU's head coach. <laughs> so Coach O's from um, – he's from Louisiana, as you can tell from the Cajun accent, and had one of the best recruiters in America. But anyhow, I went to L.A., and the whole time Coach O's just selling me on. We got this young quarterback. He's going to be dynamic. His name's Carson, Carson Palmer. So, you know, um, you had a young Carson Palmer, but then I got to Ann Arbor, Fred Jackson, Lloyd Carr, and Scott Leffler. Uh, Leffler uh, played a big part of my recruitment. He was selling me on the young quarterback they had named Drew Henson. So, you know, you look at these two dynamic quarterbacks, and that was a big part of uh, wanting to, um, you know, play for a dynamic quarterback. Um, meanwhile, at LSU, uh, Jerry DiNardo, who uh, BTN, he was the head coach at the time, and you know, it was a weird relationship. You could tell he felt like he was on the outs, so he didn't really recruit. You know, I, I was probably a top three prospect in, in the state of Louisiana at the time. Um, I came out the same year as Eli, um, Eli and I are good friends. And um, Jared DiNardo, my, fam, my parents felt like he inevitably was going to get fired, which he did, only to be replaced by Nick Saban. So, <laughs> you know, our Pats, you know, the way the Pats crossed, Saban recruited me at Michigan State. Um, then I go there, obviously, and then Nick Saban became my head coach with the Miami Dolphins. So it's, it's, it's very it's, – it's funny how uh, this football world, it kind of brings you back together. It is. It's a, it's a very small, big football world, the, the coaching community. And, and I definitely want to get into to that because that's the world you're, you're in now, Ron. Um, but, you know, was Fred your primary recruiter? Yeah. I mean, 
Ken Leffler was was pretty instrumental, but I would imagine being from New yeah, Fred, Fred was my uh, primary recruiter. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you talk about Orgeron, every time, I mean, and I've known Fred for years, and every time anyone mentions Fred, they do an impersonation of Fred. Boy, listen, this is why you got the University of Michigan is the greatest university in America. You know? <laughs> now, Freddie J, man, you know, Angelique, the, the funniest story is um, with Freddie J. He recruits. It's fun. college coaches called me and they were like, you know, hey, what's some of the best recruiting tactics? And I, Fred Jackson, I say, listen, man, I think it's important for you to recruit the kid, establish a relationship with the kid, but you better recruit those parents. Because ultimately, you know, for me, I'm like, I, I want my mom and dad happy. I want them to have, uh, be instrumental in my decision, have, make sure they have a big impact and, and a part of it, feel like they're part of my decision. You got to recruit the parents. And, and Fred does just that. And being from Louisiana, he tied into cooking. Fred's an amazing cook. And, um, you know, he and my dad were sharing recipes on gumbo and etouffees and all these amazing dishes. They hit it off. So it was just one of those things where, you know, Fred, you know, the phone will ring and I see, you know, at, at one point, you know, you, when you're a big recruit, big time recruit, you get phone calls. And at the time we didn't have cell phones. So, but we did have call ID. So I got a chance to see where these numbers were coming from. And I remember I see a Ann Arbor area code. And I'm like, I don't feel like talking. And my mom and dad answer the phone. And, and then it'll be a 30, 45 minute conversation. And I realized that no one ever asked about me. <laughs> he, didn't want, he didn't want to talk to you. He didn't want to talk to me. He wanted to talk to the parents. So, uh, but it was pretty neat. But um, my funniest recruiting story is uh, with Notre Dame. Uh, Bob Davey was the head coach at Notre Dame at the time. And one of my best friends was getting, um, he had committed to Notre Dame. So they were doing an in-home visit. So um, Soup, Eric Campbell, my receivers coach at Michigan, was coming in for an in-home visit, him and Lloyd Carr. So anyhow, my sister and I, um, was like, my mom's like, hey, why don't you run to Burger King, go pick up a quick bite before coach comes over. I'm like, all right, cool. So we go to Burger King. Um, I'm standing in line. This guy's staring at me. And I'm staring at him. And he's looking at me like, man, this kid looks like a prospect. And I'm staring at him like, man, I've seen this guy somewhere before. So my sister and I, we pay, we get our food. As I'm walking out, gentleman stops me. He goes, excuse me, son. He goes, you play ball? I'm like, yes, sir. He goes, where? And I say, Archbishop Shaw High School. And our high school is, uh, we're loaded with NFL talent, you know, big time Division One talent. So he's very familiar. He said, oh, awesome. He goes, are you getting recruited? I'm like, yes, sir. He goes, where? And I say, Michigan, Ohio State, Florida, Florida State, Southern Cal. He's like, what's your name? And I told him, he goes, well, I'm Bob David, head coach of Notre Dame. And I gave him my contact info. And the next day he called me and said, hey, son, you have a, a scholarship from Notre Dame. Wow. That's all. Scholarship at Burger, line King. At Burger King. And Burger King. Yep. <laughs> so you did th throw in there that Ohio State was recruiting you too. Yes. Mm -hmm. John Cooper. And? And? Columbus. Did you take a visit there? I never made it to Columbus. So here's uh, <laughs> my recruiting experience. Is I, I went to, um, I liked Ohio State a lot uh, simply because they played in two straight Sugar Bowls. So I had a, my dad took me to a game. And like I said, we didn't have an affiliation with any schools. I didn't have a favorite. Um, I knew about Michigan. I didn't know too much about Michigan, but I knew a little bit more about Ohio State. I had a um, high school friend who went there. So, you know, developed a relationship with the Buckeyes. And um, needless to say, uh, you know, I went to Michigan on my fourth recruiting trip and I never made it to the fifth one. They did such a great job recruiting me. And um, kind of left the, the Buckeyes standing at the altar. When you go on those those kind of college recruiting trips, do you remember when you got to Michigan, like which players 
took you around or, you know, showed you the, the ropes there? Yeah, yeah. You know, you try to put it with, uh, you know, I, I was put with James Hall in uh, A-Train. Mm -hmm. And um, I had a high school teammate who committed to Michigan with me. So we kind of split that with those guys. And it was a great time, man. The thing that sold me on Michigan was, uh, well, first and foremost, it was a snowstorm. It was a blizzard that we got snowed in. We, neither one of us had ever seen snow before. So that was our first time being in snow, being from the deep south. And um, we had an amazing time. We never thought about living in, in the Midwest. We never thought about living in the snow, you know, for, for three or four months, however long, you know, it does indeed snow. But we had a blast. And that's the, you know, the one thing. And then, um, you know, Lloyd Carr did a great job with his, uh, with his staff and, they, you know, and the players. And it's that family feeling that uh, something that's super important to me. But uh, we, we had a blast. You, you also mentioned uh, Drew Henson, Ron, and I know last, uh, last year before the Michigan-Ohio State game, we talked and you mentioned uh, the Drew Henson curse. Uh, do you really believe in the Drew Henson? And maybe you should explain what, what the Drew Henson curse is. Yeah, the Drew Henson curse is, uh, you know, we played, uh, you know, obviously last time Michigan has, has won in Columbus, uh, won a football game is the year 2000, which happened to be Drew Henson's, um, you know, uh, his last year uh, – playing college football. So, you know, we go to Columbus and, and you know, we, uh, I wouldn't say upset the Buckeyes, but we beat the Buckeyes and, you know, it's been 20 years later. So hopefully that curse could kind of be lifted now, you know, now it's been 20 years, 20, 20 years of torment. So okay. now is the time I'm calling it now. Michigan, You're calling it now? Yeah. Ohio State. I'm not guaranteeing anything. I said, we need to. So okay. I'm gonna but are you guaranteeing a game this season? Are, are you going that far? Are you going to, Listen, if we don't physically have a football field, we need to have one on a video game. <laughs> that would work. NCAA, I'm asking you guys for this year, for this year, why don't you guys create a football game if we don't have football? <laughs> well, you and Drew are very good friends, though. I mean, you guys. Yeah, we have really good friends. Yeah, so you, you, you don't hold it against him, against him. Well, maybe you do a little bit that he, uh, he departed after that season. Didn't come yeah. to Paris. I'm, I'm not mad at him about that. Um, you know, the reality of it is, is Drew had to do what was best for him and his family. And, um, you know, uh, just, it, it took a Buckeye to kind of ruin what we had going at Michigan, um, George Steinbrenner, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, um, the late George Steinbrenner, uh, been a, been the owner of the Yankees and, you know, threw a big number at Drew that he couldn't resist. And, but, uh, I knew Drew's heart was always with us. Let me ask you, Ron, I mean, uh, David Terrell was on the podcast a couple months ago and, and um, talked to Thomas Gwines, uh recently as well. And, you know, you, now you're a head coach at West Bloomfield. You've got these, these young men that, that you're coaching. Um, do you, when you were at Michigan and you're coming from Louisiana, I mean, did you deal with, with any racial issues in Louisiana? And, and, and was, what was your experience like when you, when you got to Ann Arbor? Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, you know, being from, you know, I, I love my state. Louisiana is a great state, but it comes with a lot of, a lot of biases, a lot of mm -hmm. prejudice. And um, that's something I knew at a young age, you know, experiencing some things, uh, you know, anywhere from uh, going to certain places, you know, with people looking at you like you're in the wrong place or going to a predominantly white high school where, you know, a lot of the athletes were African-American and we were looked at such as, hey, they're just ball players when at a 3.5 GPA, you know, mm -hmm. and I had high test scores. So I did belong in that school and my parents did pay for my tuition. So, you know, those type of biases that you had to kind of get out of, um, you know, 
just being associated with just because, you know, you're going to college is the only, only way you get into college because you're an athlete, those, those type of things. Or, um, you know, when I got to Michigan, it was different. You know, it was a, it was a, a breath of fresh air uh, that, you know, biases, they, no matter where you go in the United States, they're there. But uh, they wasn't as um, – they were. I, I, would think, I would say they were unconscious in Michigan, whereas, you know, people in the South, they were, you know, very conscious about uh, things that they said and did to make you feel uncomfortable. Well, during this, this pandemic, I think that the conversation has definitely been stronger. I mean, you know, obviously in, in light of George Floyd and, and everything since then, and, and, you know, maybe it just finally came to a an head. And, you know, there was this, this explosion and, and a lot of conversation lately. Is, is it a conversation that your players want to have with you? Or is that something you, I mean, you're a young man, Ron. I mean, you're not yeah. like in your sixties and so, you know, you, you're, yeah. and you can relate to these guys. Do you have a, a lot of conversations with them? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, one of the things that I did was uh, we had a team meeting and we talked about it. And um, a few years back uh, when Colin Kaepernick took, took his knee, a lot of my kids, uh, they wanted to take knees. And I was a big proponent on, you know, me personally, I didn't take a knee. Um, I just, you know, at the time I, I knew this stuff was going on, but I didn't know the uh, the significance of it and taking a knee. And I didn't understand, you know, like, what is taking a knee going to do, really? I, I didn't understand that. And for me, my father served, you know, over 25 years in the military. So um, it's not so much the flag that I respect. I respect the acts of the, the, the young men and young women who went out there to defend our country. So I, that was my personal belief is I chose not to take a knee, you know. Um, but... I had other kids that had questions and they were hurting because now, you know, with the social media platform, you're seeing a guy like Colin Kaepernick, who was such an instrumental figure in the NFL and for the 49ers at the time, you know, him taking the knee. So we talked about it and, you know, I reached out to, you know, Stephen Ross and I reached out to his program called Rise, which is, you know, kind of talk about racial inequality in sports and, you know, we went through that program and it, it was an awesome program because it educated the kids on um, how athletes are looked at, how athletes are judged. And um, an example of this is uh, that we face now is the Washington Redskins. You know, um, you know how offensive sports can be. Uh, there was a picture on the Cosmo, the cover of Cosmo magazine. It was a picture of LeBron James holding, uh, holding a, a, a petite blonde young lady in his arms. And when you look at where the picture came from, it was a picture of King Kong was um, holding the same picture. Uh, the young lady looked like she's falling off a bridge or something. And with that being said, it's like African-Americans are depicted as being apes, monkeys, mm -hmm. you know. And um, you know, when you take them, we start peeling the layers off. You're educating the kids on what it looks like. And um, it, it was eye opening for me, um, an education that I learned. And, and I, I understood a little bit better why, why athletes are doing what they're doing. And, um, fast forward to five years later, you know, we're still back in the same situation. And now um, I'm more open. I'm more engaging. I'm, I'm willing. I'm not afraid to bring it up. Um, not to uh, uh, maybe about a month and a half ago, a uh, uh, couple months ago uh, with the uh, George Floyd uh, uh, incident. I had an opportunity to talk to some of the guys in my recruiting class and we had a Zoom meeting. Um, you know, we scheduled a Zoom meeting and it was pretty much our entire recruiting class from the 99 class. Wow. And um, it was, you know, we're all, we're all from different walks of life. Uh, out of 25 guys in our recruiting class, only six were from the state of Michigan. And, you know, we were mixed. It was half and half, black and white. 
And we sat down and we talked about it and the white guys, they listened and the black guys kind of told them what, what their issues were, what, what we felt like, how does it feel? Now they would never know what it feels like, but they did understand, um, like they, you know, they felt for us and you know, they asked us, you know, how can we be a part of change? And we gave them some examples. You know, one of the guys is assistant GM for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. One guy is, uh, he works for Steven Ross. Another one um, is a big hedge fund guy. You know, so one one's high up at FBI and, you know, one does um, insurance, you know, high up. So it's a lot of successful, you know, a lot of successful white guys that's in our group. And not to make color, but, but I, you know, just to kind of, you know, you know, go more in depth in my uh, conversation with my guys. And they were like, well, how can we be of change? And we say, give minorities opportunities because that's what we're missing right now because of the different policies that's in place. You know, African-Americans um, are not able to secure opportunities like white Americans are. And if you could give a young black kid an opportunity to reach your level at some point in life or you give them um, the blueprint, then that's all we can ask for you. Just just give us give us a chance. If we screw it up, we screw it up. But we don't want handouts. Do you are are you getting um you know these questions you're getting from your players? I mean these are these are young men. I mean they're they're just on the cusp of becoming uh, you know college students. Um, mm -hmm. Are they unique questions? Are they questions similar to what you have, or you think these kids are facing something different? I mean, with the I mean, like you said, you you know it was before cell phones when you were getting recruited. No social media, obviously. They've got a whole other no, you know a ton of layers now to their lives. And we even so you know with us being. Um, uh, you know, we're fortunate to have built a you know, pretty good football program with a lot of top prospects that, you know, coaches around the country, um, you know, they want these kids. And I'm going to be honest with you, kids have questions. You know, um, <laughs> they're much more mature at their age than I was. That, that's for certain. And I think a lot of it has to do with social media, you know, things that, that, that's placed in front of them. Um, with that being said, um, I have a young man who asked me, he said, Coach, um, you know, me being a black head coach, you know, kids are inquisitive about having a black head coach at the collegiate level. And I had one kid ask me, he said, are black coaches, do they get the same opportunities as white coaches? And I was like, absolutely not. And one of the questions was, the kid asked me, he said, you think black head coaches in college are looked at more as recruiters than, and I said, <laughs> I said man, where'd you get that from? The kid was like, I'm just curious. And the kid told me, he goes, I heard that he used James Franklin as an example. He goes, I heard James Franklin got his job at Penn State because he's a great recruiter. And he said, I heard Mike Tomlin, the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers, he got his job because he's a great players coach. Mm -hmm. And he said, are black coaches looked at as great recruiters and, um, you know, players coaches? Why can't they be deemed as being smart guys who are innovative? You hear this with a lot of the white coaches. Why don't we hear this with the black coaches? I thought that was profound for a young kid to ask that question. And I said, man, I said, well, you're watching real sports or HBO or something, you know, but um, um, with, with that being said, um, Angela, it's, these kids are smart, mm -hmm. you know, they see it, they see beyond things. You know, I tell coaches, you, you better get to know these kids. Don't recruit just the athlete. You better recruit the person because these kids will eat you alive. They eat these grown men alive. I am so glad you you brought this this topic up, Ron, about and and that your your players brought it up, because mm -hmm. it's a subject that I'm I'm very interested in. And and you know you look at the numbers and and you know I wrote about Fred Jackson 20 years ago wanting to be a head coach, Ron, mm -hmm. and the numbers were not not terrific then for the number of black coaches, head coaches. Um, but 
you know, now as I've been looking at this, this subject, it's not just head coaches. It's the, it's the offensive coordinators and the defensive coordinators. The number, the number is very low and, and especially offensive coordinators. And, and you're right. Like your players are saying, you know, black coaches tend to be looked at as, Oh, great recruiters. And here you got like Josh Gaddis at Michigan and he's an offensive coordinator. He's, he's becoming known as a guy, you know, who knows X's and O's and, and knows how to develop a game plan. Obviously is that, important for players to see it, someone who looks like them who's who's you, you know you've got looking at you and saying i can do this someday if i want to absolutely you know it, it's one of those things Angelique. we talked about the biases you know i think that's one of the, that's that's one of the biases is you know whether it's unconscious or not black coaches are not getting the same opportunities that white coaches do and we just don't get the same opportunities um you know, uh, uh, a lot of times um, we have to go through these different obstacles and hoops that other coaches don't. Um, you know, I, I've seen guys, you know, get fired multiple places and they still reemerge, mm -hmm. you know, and, and you see a, a young, hot black candidate who's kind of worked himself into a position of like, I'm next, I should be next. They don't get that opportunity. And it's, you know, like, <sighs> you know, uh, being a black head coach, man, I, I, I get it. You know, I, I, I totally get it. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's frightening, um, but, but, you know, we just got to keep, we got to keep fighting and, 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 you know, just keep fighting, holding a stance. And the biggest thing is, you know, you just, I know from my standpoint, being a high school coach, I'm, you know, I have young coaches on my staff that I'm trying to develop to become head coaches one day. And that's the goal for college coaches and NFL coaches, continue to develop the guys on your staff, you know, teach them what they need to know um, so that they can get those opportunities and, you know, you just you just hope that this tree that we're planting continues to grow and develop and into the right way that it could branch out and give us opportunities in different, you know, different avenues. Well, I spoke to, I think I told you this, I, when I, uh, Michigan played at Maryland last year, I went in early and saw Tyrone Wheatley at Morgan State. And obviously he was there with Will Carr and Der Derek Alexander, former Wolverines. And, you know, they're, what, what they all said, and, and especially Tyrone, is that he feels the weight of of other black coaches on his shoulders because if he doesn't succeed he knows that that's going to probably hinder another black candidate from from getting it do you feel uh do you feel some of that pressure in in your role ron at west bloomfield being a head coach at, at west bloomfield absolutely you know I'm, I'm i'm in a white community i'm a black head coach in a white community in a predominantly white high school and um i understand that i got to do things you know um i represent I represent black coaches who inspire to young black coaches as I'm getting older, going into my 11th year as being a head coach. I was once that 27 year old head coach that was naive and didn't really know how to build a program. And I, you know, I, I, I'm still learning, you know, but I do understand that you're judged by actions of others. You know, I, uh, I've experienced that before where, you know, I had a young man make a poor decision and um, not only impact him, but it impacted the team and myself professionally. And a lot of people just automatically they associate you with that, associate you with mistakes of others. Um, I think white coaches, they don't get the same treatment that we do as black coaches. You know, it's just like, oh, that kid made a poor decision. But for me, that kid made it, that kid made a poor decision. And my paper, my picture was on the front of a sports section. My picture was on the news when the news people, you know, the news channels came and they did a story on it. And you know, I thought it was unfair, but at that moment, I realized that this world we live in is unfair. And, and I learned that 
you know, I'm judged by the action of others. Why did you want to go into coaching? I mean, that was what, about 2007, 2008, you decided? Yeah, so, so I finished my career with the Lions in 2008, the infamous Owen 16 team. <laughs> so once I was done there, I was, I was looking to make the transition to, uh, uh, to the real world, right? You know, I've been for, for practically all my life, I've been associated with football. And I met with Lloyd Carr, and um, I had some great opportunities in the medical device world, you know, Stryker and some of these other great companies. And, you know, those jobs are very lucrative, and you could build a great career doing that. And at the time, I was, you know, uh, 27, had played five years in the NFL. And I met with Coach Carr, and we sat down, and, and I said, Coach, I'm like getting ready to make this, you know. And this is when Lloyd had just retired, and he was the associate AD. And, you know, so Lloyd didn't have too much going on, let's just say that. <laughs> So he loved the company. And, and Lloyd said, uh, he said, you need to go back to school, get your master's in. Uh, he goes, you need a coach. I'm like, well, uh, that's not what I thought you were going to tell me. You know, I'm like, not coach. I'm like, I'm not a coach. He goes, no, you're a coach. You were always one of my players that you were a coach on the field. You know, we could move you around. Um, he goes, you know, I watched you. He goes, you had some characters that you had to work with. You know, uh, the David Terrell, the Marquise Walkers, the Braylon Edwards. I love those are my boys and I love them. I love them to death, but, uh, you know, I had to really work on these. I had to work with these guys to uh, make sure that they were behaving themselves on and off the field. And then when they, when they did make mistakes, just kind of like fix those mistakes. But uh, I, I did that. And, um, you know, Coach Carr said that was the beginning of me being a coach. So he recommended that. He said if he had to do it all over again, he would stay in. He would have been a high school coach. Mm -hmm. He stayed in high school coach. And um, I uh, moved, um, what did I do? I went to Wayne State, got my master's in education, and, and the rest is kind of history for me. Do you want to become a uh, college coach at some point? You know what? That was, that was never in my dreams. You know, I never dreamt of being a coach. But, you know, the reality of it is, is I just take it one year at a time now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, as, as my kids get older, um, my family's pretty, you know, I, my, kids, my kids are eight and soon to be six and they're in school. So, you know, now that they're older, you, you could kind of see that vision. There's a strong possibility that can, you know, it could happen. Um, there are some coaches that have been reaching out. So it's just a matter of me doing that. Sorry, sorry about my dog in the background. <laughs> That's all right. This is about, this is the new world, right? We're, we're at home all the time. How is that yeah. for you? I mean, I'm, you, you know, you were be home, what, mid, mid March, they called everything off at, uh, at school, right? Hey, I, I tell you what, being in education, a lot of people associate like, oh, you know, you're, you're a teacher. You should be good. I'm like, listen, first of all, I'm in physical education. <laughs> so I can teach you about lifting weights. I can teach you about, you know, cardio fit, you know, cardiovascular endurance and, and fitness in that regard. But teaching second grade math is not what I do. <laughs> and um, I, I tell you what, I told my wife, I go, whatever we have to pay to get these tutors, I said, <laughs> take care of it. You know, so uh, but but. You know, me and my, my son and I, we have a very strong relationship, but 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 the math part of it is the common core. Dad, we do not do it like that. I'm like, carry the one. Well, you have to make a box and put the one inside. I'm like, I so it was over my head. It was definitely second grade math caused a lot of arguments in our home. Oh yeah, that's a lot of fun, isn't it? <laughs> a blast. But there's been, I mean, I'm sure there's been some interesting elements to it. I mean, you got to see your families and it's been, you know, we watched the NFL draft and seeing all the, the GMs and, and head coaches and stuff at home and, and watching the picks being made with their kids all over them. There's been yeah. kind of some fun to it, hasn't there? Yeah. 
I'll I, I tell you this. It, it's, you know, I was talking to a uh, um, running backs coach at Oklahoma, DeMarco Murray, today about it. And we were just talking about kids traveling on campus. And he said, Coach, I'm going to be honest with you. He's like, I don't think that that's going to be allowed for the next, for the year. I think this is going to mm-hmm. be our norm as far as recruiting until, you know, we get this thing under control. And I said, man, I was just thinking, I go, it could be hit or miss. You know, uh, the, either the wives are happy that the husbands are home more or you need to get back on the road and start recruiting. I know I did talk to one coach. Uh, I want to say it was James Franklin. Him and I were talking. He said his wife, he said he was getting, making the kids lunch one day. And he said he was grabbing plates from the wrong cabinet, giving the kids the wrong meal. And his wife was like, just go back to the office. She was like, I got this. So, uh, you know, it's just, just one of those things where it's great to have the family time. But, but none of us are used to it. Um, you know, my kids are like, my son loves it because we could do more sports-related activities. But then it's like, oh, man, dad's, man, the disciplinarian part. It's like, <laughs> mom's not like that, you know. Mom lets me do this. I'm like, well, dad's home. Well, can dad go back to football? So, uh, but, but that, that's the fun part, though. Well, we talked, you and I talked early in this, and we're talking about recruiting and, and how – um, college coaches were getting very creative. I mean, you've got a lot of a lot of uh, players at, at West Bloomfield are, are have generated a lot of Division One interest. So you've you're fielding calls from coaches all the time. Did you were you sort of in awe of the way some of these uh, coaches were how creative they were getting, or did you see a pattern? A pattern, and if they have they kind of gone back to just doing it like you know calling them on the phone back back to normal. Oh, no, it's not normal. It's uh, anything but normal. But uh, it, it's, I, I saw some creative things. Uh, you know, I had one staff played our running back, um, Donovan Edwards in Madden, and Donovan beat the coach 70 to 35. And, you know, I'm just like, well, first of all, I'm going to turn the game off before I let a kid beat me in anything, right? <laughs> but, uh, you know, just playing the video games against kids, uh, you know, um, playing like little – you know, uh, I've seen coaches have different music battles with the kids, like let's play your, your genre of music versus my genre of music. Um, what else? Um, you know, I've seen, um, you know, me and Brian Kelly's FaceTime me um, at his lake house. So, you know, I, you know, you just see different things, different school. I see Nick Saban. It's, it's crazy. I see Nick Saban at his home and his office. You know, his background is this huge lake, you know, behind him. Um, you know, Coach Harbaugh, you know, I've seen him FaceTime me in the pool before, you know, so it's, you get to see these coaches in a whole different light and um, it's pretty unique. Um, It it shows the kids that they are human beings. They like to do the same things that you do. Uh, You know, it's, uh, it's fascinating. Um, Another thing is with recruiting, it allows the entire staff to recruit a kid as opposed to just one particular coach who might have been on the road recruiting a kid. Mm-hmm. So the kid gets a chance to see, you know, um, all these fascinating coaches, uh, former head coaches or rising uh, future head coaches. Uh, it's pretty unique. Um, some of these, cause some of these colleges are uh, using some of their alums mm-hmm. uh, to, uh, you know, talk to the kids, you know, whether, you know, be, you know, zoom or FaceTime or whatever it may be, the kids are reaching out to, uh, these former superstars. So it, it's, been, it's been very unique, to say the least. Could you imagine, Ron, committing to Michigan without ever stepping foot on campus? I mean, you're seeing that a little bit now. You are. And, um, you know, that's one of the things you see is, is, is good faith. Uh, it, it's coaches, and it, it, it is pretty, what's pretty cool for me is watching how these schools are 
you got to recycle some things, but you better be innovative because if you're not, the team that's most innovative is a team that's going to get these kids uh, the virtual uh, the virtual tours, official visits. Uh, they last about two hours, but you better make sure that whoever's in front of the camera with these kids, they're not dry and they have a sense of humor to keep these kids engaged. And I'm noticing the school soup, I've been on 10 of them. So I feel like I've been on 10. That's 20 days. hours. <laughs> yes, hours, hours at the hours. And we're like, what do you do with your time? I'm like, meet with coaches, <laughs> you know? Um, but, uh, but with that being said though, you know, it's, you see the uniqueness in this, you see the head coaches, uh, what was funny, it was funny that DeMarco Murray, uh, running backs coach at Oklahoma, his, his neighbor across the street from him is Lincoln Riley. So DeMarco Murray is FaceTiming me. His back is like he's, his back is to his window. And I'm like, man, who is that shooting those jump shots? He goes, oh, that's Lincoln Riley. I go, what? Oh, Lord. I said, I said, hold on. But Lincoln Riley's outside shooting jump shots right now. He goes, yeah, he's my neighbor. He lives across the street from me. <laughs> I'm like, that's the type of stuff that you, you can't make this stuff up, you know? And I'm watching videos. So he turns his camera and I'm watching Lincoln Riley shoot jump shots. So I, so I take a picture of it and I sent it to Lincoln Riley and I said, you missed that one. And he thought it was funny, you know, but it's, I mean, it's pretty cool that you see, like I say, you see these guys uh, try to create as much normalcy as possible in their uh, sure. personal lives. Well, before all of this, so I, I want to go back to when, uh, I mean, you know, Greg Madison obviously left Michigan for Ohio State. Ohio State recruits your school very hard and recruit, recruits the state hard. I mean, you've had pictures on your, your uh, Twitter with Nick Saban, with Ryan Day and Greg Madison. What, what, what was it like that first time Greg Madison came wearing scarlet and gray to West Blue? Oh, man. All right. <laughs> Funny story. So I, I, will, I will keep these young men nameless, but... Uh, I'm in a group chat with some former Wolverines, and this is around the time that uh, Greg Madison and Al Washington decided to depart Michigan for OSU. So they were like, oh, what you got going this week, Coach Bellamy? And I was like, oh, Ryan Day, Coach Maddie's coming. They go, when? I was like, oh, Friday, 1 o'clock. They were like, and I was like, why? Why? Why Why are you guys asking all these details? They're like, nothing. So whatever. So this was on like a Wednesday. So Friday, that Friday around noon, I get a call from the, the front desk security. It's like, hey, coach, you got a package. Like, I don't get packages like me. So I, I go up to the front of the desk, security desk. I pick up a package. It's a balloon. It's, it's, uh, it's four, it's four uh, yellow balloons, four blue balloons. And it's, um, it's flowers, some flowers that came with it. Uh, these were very expensive flowers. So... <laughs> I didn't read the card or anything. I just saw my name on it, Coach Bellamy. So I, I looked at it, and I, it was funny because I saw who the, who the flowers were from. And I just was like, whatever, this is so silly, you know. And I left the flowers, I left the arrangement in the front of the school. So as Ryan Day walks in for the very first time as head coach of Ohio State, he's never met me. He's heard great things, you know, about me. And it's like, I want to meet this guy. I've known Maddie for a long time, and I've known, you know, it was, it was just the two of them. So they walk through the door. The first thing they sees is balloons. So he's like looking at the balloons. It's like, oh my gosh, what am I walking into? Right? The amazing blue balloons with the flowers. Coach Maddie laughs. He's just like, Bellamy. And I didn't mean to do it. It was intentional. I was supposed to just kind of put the balloons away, but I forgot to. I just left them in the front of the school when the guys walked by. So anyway, so we're talking and Coach Day's talking to me and he's explaining to me, you know, who he is, a little bit about himself. And one of our, uh, our, our discipline of student relations, 
he thought it would be funny to take the balloons and I actually read the card and the card goes to Madison. He goes, the, the card goes, F you, go blue. So I'm like, I'm not giving him this. So I did leave that part out, but I'm like, I'm not giving him this. The, the, the blues were definitely for Madison. The blues were flowers. So my buddy gives Coach Madison the balloons and the flowers. He goes, sir, I believe these belong to you. So I'm just like mortified. I'm like, oh my gosh. And Ryan Day laughs. He goes, and this is after they beat us 62 to 39. So Coach Day's message uh, was, he goes, cute. He goes, it would have been better if it was 62 balloons they sent. <laughs> At that That's point, pretty clever. Yeah, I said, oh, oh my gosh. I, I originally thought, someone asked me, they were like, Ryan Day, they were like, what do you think about him? This is before I ever met him. And I say, man, you know, being around Urban Meyer, I've known Coach Meyer for a while. He recruited me at Notre Dame when they offered me. Um, I knew Coach Meyer through University of Florida and, you know, all that stuff. So we, we go back. And he is competitive, and Coach Meyer is a no-nonsense guy. Great guy, just, just competitive and no-nonsense. So, and he's fiery. So when Ryan Day got the job, I say, oh, he seems like a nice guy. Every time you watch him do interviews, he's very polite, articulate, you know, all those good things. It's like, oh, I was like, man, you got to be a killer to be in Ohio State, man. I felt like Trussell was one, Meyer was one. And I said, this might be Michigan's opportunity. <laughs> and then after I met him and he made that comment about the balloons, I said, he's a killer too. And he told me, he said, uh, this kid had a wristband. And the kid asked him to sign. He was like, Coach Day, this is at the Michigan-Ohio State game, 62-39. And there was a young Michigan fan was like, hey, can you sign my wristband? So he gives Ryan Day a yellow Michigan wristband to sign, and Ryan Day signed it. He goes, Ryan Day, 62-39. And I looked at Maddie, and Maddie goes, oh, yeah, he's – I said, I thought he was like a nice guy. He goes, oh, he's nice. He's a killer, too. I was like (laughs) – and I was like, dang, you know. (laughs) And, you know, that that 100-point comment, I was just like – it it always – when I read that article and I just thought to myself about the comment you made about the 62 balloons, I'm like, oh, you know? <laughs> well, I mean, you, in your role, you're getting to meet these huge college football pro, uh, personalities. Do you see Harbaugh much? I mean. Oh yeah. He comes to our school. He's a, he's a staple in our school. Um, mm-hmm. He respects what we're doing. Uh, we had two kids that, uh, that signed with Michigan last class in uh, Cornell Will and Macari Page. And obviously, you know, it's a slew of others that Michigan's recruiting, um, you know, from our program. So he respects what we do. Um, um, Jim, anytime he has an opportunity, every year he's in our school, every opportunity, uh, um, Michigan's well represented in our school. So uh, we don't have the problem that some Michigan coaches claim that their schools not getting recruited hard enough. I feel like Michigan's doing a, um, a great job at ours. What do you mean by that, Ron? Well, you know, some coaches feel like Michigan, um, they don't recruit the top talent in the state as, as well as they should. And uh, part of me, um, you know, my, my argument to high school coaches is I'm like, listen, I came, I came to the University of Michigan in 1999. With, uh, I had 25, 26 guys in my recruiting class. I looked this up the other day. Only six of them were from the state of Michigan. And we had a top five class in the nation. And when I look at the class, out of the 25, 26 we had in our class, 12 of us played in the NFL. So that's a very good class. And we didn't have too much, we didn't have much attrition in that recruiting class and that recruiting cycle. So um, uh, that, those are the type of things you look at. But, you know, it's, it's the relationships that 
uh, you know, you have to make, and, and like I said, that's, I don't know. I don't know what some of the coach, other coaches are experiencing. Um, Michigan is, they recruit my area well. Uh, I know that there's beef with high school coaches and amongst coaches and, and, and high school and college coaches, but, uh, you know, hopefully high school coaches understand you, you give your kids an opportunity put the football part aside, just going to get an opportunity to graduate from the University of Michigan, experience what everyday life is like, um, looking at the diversity of the university and um, the, uh, the amazing people at the university, not to say other universities don't have the same things, but um, I went to Michigan. I think it's a great school, but you know, and, and you know, my message to high school coaches is don't be, the, don't rob your kids of that opportunity. You know, uh, I kind of leave it. You know? <laughs> You leave it there. I get it. And I mean, but with that message, you would like to see, I don't want to put words in your mouth. Would you like to see your players go to Michigan? Or I mean, I know you encourage them to go where they want to, but I think some people would say, oh, Tron Bellamy, he's going to want, he's going to encourage his kids to go to Michigan. Do you fight with, with even college recruiters who come in and say, you know, are you going to give them a fair shake to go any place? Well, you know what? The Michigan State Brigade came in and um, that was the first question they asked was, are you going to send, do you send your kids to Michigan? And I said, obviously, you don't know me. I said, we have 10 kids in the Big Ten, and we just signed – Michigan just signed the first two kids from our school this past cycle. And Michigan recruits our school heavily. I said, I do not encourage my kids to go to school because my experience is totally different. Now, if the kids ask about Michigan, I can tell you exactly what it's like, you know, what my experiences were because I went there. But I want you to experience other schools as well. Um, and as far as visiting, and, and you and your family make that decision. But – you know, uh, for me, I know Michigan is great, but it's not great for everyone. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, some guys, the academic, you know, uh, rigors, depending on what you want to major in. And, you know, some guys feel like, you know, uh, maybe maybe the university is too big or, or maybe, you know, I want to play for this coach. I don't know, whatever it may be, but I can only give them insight from my perspective. And, you know, I, I don't pressure them. I never want to be that guy that the kids come back and it doesn't work out and say, you know, Coach, I regret ever going to Michigan because you you pushed me to go there. I don't want to be that guy. And, you know, Jim knows that. You know, him and I have had that conversation before. And, um, you know, the guys don't try to uh, – that's what I appreciate Michigan staff. With me loving Michigan and being so – you know, feeling so strong about the university, the coaching staff, do they get insight? Absolutely. But they're not overly aggressive. Like, hey, you, you got to do this. They don't hold me hostage in the sense of – if you don't send your kids here, we're going to stop recruiting your school. It's nothing like that. And I do appreciate those guys uh, for, uh, you know, kind of showing us love and, and having that respect for our program and myself. So the MSU Brigade, uh, brigade you mean Mel Tucker, the new staff? Mm -hmm. I, you know, we, we've had our, we had our clash, you know, I, I clashed with those guys, um, you know, when they first got in, um, you know, they were recruiting my running back and Donovan Edwards and, uh, here for any of the coaches and I, I think I think the world of coach Tucker um, you know I heard nothing but great things I've known coach Tucker uh, when he was a D-backs coach at Ohio State uh, when they won a national championship uh, got a chance to go against um, his guys Chris Gamble Will Allen those guys and so I knew who Mel Tucker was um, I knew Mel Tucker when he was at Colorado because he uh, you know he was recruiting our kids and he offered our kids at Colorado but Mel Tucker and I never had a conversation and uh, to be quite honest with you, when, when Coach Tucker got the job, um, he was, you know, him and Donovan were, you know, Donovan would reach out to him and they were having conversations and I was okay, which is, which is fine. But, you know, I had to tell Coach Tucker, I said, Coach, I'm like, 
me personally, I won't let you recruit my kid unless you introduce yourself formally to me. And, you know, some people thought that was like bold on my part. It felt like it was a bit arrogant, but I didn't, I didn't look at it that way. I, I said to, you know, I told Coach Tucker, you know, I have a daughter. I said, my daughter goes on her first date. If her boyfriend blows the horn and wanted her to come out, my daughter's not going on that date. The formal way is for that young man to knock on my door himself, and then he could take my daughter on a date. And I feel the same way about my football players. You know, you're not just going to recruit my kids without developing a relationship with their coach. I'm a hands-on kind of guy. You know, I mentioned about the Zoom calls, me being on two-hour Zoom calls with my guys. Um, I love them. Um, I'm not going to throw them in this recruiting world without me having an input and in, in decision in where they go to school. And uh, Coach Tucker and I, we talked for two hours. Uh, we cleared the air with that situation, but uh, he, knows, he knows my stance, and his staff does a great job in communication with me now. And I said, that's all it is. Let's just make sure we're on the same page. And, um, but, uh, but it was good. And I think, I think it, not only for my program, but I think it opened Coach Tucker's eyes for the rest of the coaches in the state of Michigan that, you know, let me develop a relationship with these guys so we can do it the right way. Is that because, I mean, you know, like you said, these are your guys, these are your, you know, quote unquote sons that you want to know everything that, that, that's going on in, in each player's recruiting process? I mean, is, do you want to be, you said hands on, is that what you mean? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, you know, I remind my parents a lot that, you know, my kids, I don't talk about me playing in Michigan, me playing in the NFL, that's redundant to them. You know, they don't really appreciate that, right? But what they do appreciate is my experiences. So I can give them some raw experiences that, you know, you have a coach who played at the highest level. So I'm going to be honest with you, whether you want it or not, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to tell you, listen, um, you don't fit that scheme, what they do, or make sure you love the university. Don't fall in love with these coaches per se. They're here today, gone tomorrow. So I'm not saying not like the coaches and that type of raw information that the kids need to hear. Um, you know, you, you look at, uh, you know, I, I was telling someone, you go back to any of the kids at Michigan who were redshirt freshmen, you know, Rich Rod's year, or any of the kids that maybe got a medical, they had a, a six-year. They had three coaches in six years at Michigan, you know? So, you know, you sign up to play for, for, for Rich, and then you end up with Jim, you know? So, you know, it, it, it's those things that you got to really uh, truly think about and, and – and, um, I try to give my kids as much information as possible. They could gather that information and use their decision. So speaking of your recruits, I mean, you mentioned Donovan. I mean, he's, he's on top of everybody's uh, mind and, you know, especially Michigan fan. I mean, what, what do you think? I mean, do you talk to him on a regular basis and do you try to guess where these guys are going to end up going? We, we talk, uh, we talk every other day. Um, I see him now, now that football started back, but, but kind of early on during the pandemic, we talked every other day. Um, you know, he was getting bombarded with coaches and, you know, for, for a 17 year old kid, it's hard to tell grown men, no, like, no, thank you. I appreciate mm -hmm. you. So, and I told him, you know, I'd be the bad guy, but you know, Donovan is a, uh, you know, not to kind of put his business out there, but he's a, he's a very passionate kid. He's a, a loving kid. Um, he lost his mother when he was young. So it's family-wise, just him and his father. So, you know, at times in recruiting, that mother piece, he's missing that mother piece, right? Um, yeah, his dad goes to me for the nurturing part of things. Um, like I said, losing, losing his mother and the father losing his wife, uh, that's no easy thing to deal with. And, um, you know, I see it with Don and, um, you know, football, like just seeing his, 
his teammates with their moms and having teen moms around and, you know, him gravitating towards female teachers. Uh, you know, sometimes people look at a kid and just like, man, this kid's going to take us over the hump. But I'm like, you know, I tell every coach this. I've told Nick Saban, I've told Jim Harbaugh, Ryan Day, Lincoln Riley, you know, um, uh, Ed Ogeron and Kirby Smart, James, whomever, all the big time coaches that after this kid. And I tell them, I say, coach, don't recruit the athlete, recruit the kid. And I'm saying, if you cannot provide this for this kid, then I, I cannot recommend this kid to go to your university. And, and you know, every coach that I've talked to and shared the story with is, is they're sympathetic and they're like, coach, we got people on our staff that can work with. And he's not the only kid by no means, you know, but, you know, those type of things are recruiting that uh, the outsiders don't understand is these kids are human beings and they have issues that is, that's bigger than football, you know, uh, you know, I tell our kids all the time, football is what you do, it's not who you are. And, um, but, uh, you know, with Donovan's recruitment, that's what makes it very intriguing is, you know, he's one of the top prospects in the nation and, you know, that void needs to be filled, um, you know, uh, and he's very diligent about everything and he's looking for family. Like if you can't prove that you uh, have a family environment with your program, he's not going to gravitate towards that program. But that's really, um... Yeah, it pulls your heartstrings when you describe, you know, all the kids with their with their moms and their, you know, after a game. How does he deal with that? I mean, do do other moms come in and you know kind of mm -hmm. in and and you know he's their son too. Yeah, he's their son too, and you know he he, he embraces that. You could tell mm -hmm. that you know he's a kid that does not like talking about it, but um, you know I'm I'm his advocate. You know I'm going to make sure that that piece of home is there. Um, at, at some point, you know. At some point, he's going to be a husband. At some point, he's going to be a father. And I, I think it's important for him to understand, like, how it is to, to see a motherly figure. His dad never remarried. So um, what, is, what do moms do? What do wives, you know, what do wives do? The day-to-day -day things that he never really got a chance to experience. And, you know, those are the things that people don't, like I said, mentioned earlier, they don't really think about those things that I do. You know, he doesn't know better. He's 17 years old. So... Um, that's the part of gathering information that it, it's a high school coach's responsibility to um, find that insight out and share it with the family so that they can make the best decision for the kid. And Ron, you've had recruits over all these years while you're at West Bloomfield. Do you sit, do you ever just sit there in your mind or even write down where you think this kid's where he's going to end up going and, and just sort of see if you're right? And, and how often have you hit on those? So what I do, Angelique, is I make the boys do a pros and a cons list. Mm -hmm. So, and I have to see this list. I don't, I have to, I don't sign off where you're going to college, but I sign off that make sure that you did the list the right way. I've done this for years. Um, either the kids get on a dry erase board or they email me. I create, uh, you know, during the pandemic, I've created a, a, a spreadsheet. And basically what it does is when I look at the sheet, I can tell what a kid is leaning toward. They don't know, but I can tell based on the, you know, for instance, it's one sheet to say uh, the pros and cons of location, uh, conference, you know, competition, coaching staff, you know, um, uh, some kids even put like, uh, or they are Nike school, right? Some of that matters to <laughs> kids. Um, academics, the social life, the distance from home. And I'm looking at the checks and the minuses for these kids. And a lot of times what happens is the kids may have 40 offers, 20 offers, but they only give me like five or seven schools. So I automatically know like what schools they're looking at. Coaches don't necessarily know that, but I kind of keep that 
I tell the kids that's your decision to, to let people know if they're still in the mix or not. And when I start reviewing the sheet and I start looking at the pro, the, the, the pros and the cons and the pluses and the minuses, I'm like, and the kids start seeing that information. And it's like, I like this school better than this school. Then all of a sudden it's three schools. <laughs> you start seeing a lot of minuses and then you start seeing like, okay, these are the three they're focusing on. And, um, you know, for me, that's, that's how I know. Uh, mm -hmm. with, with Donovan, it changes all the time. It changes all the time. He's the rare one that I can't get a pulse on because it changes all the time. Um, you know, when guys get the crystal balls where he's going to school, I'm like, first of all, Donovan's like, what is a crystal ball? Like, <laughs> you know, I was like, well, do the recruiting prognosticators, you know, think that this is where you're going? He goes, well, how do they think I'm going there when I don't even know where I'm going? I'm like, <laughs> but it changes every day, man. It changes, you know, um, like I said, man, it's you sitting down with Kirby Smart, and one day you're sitting down with Jim Harbaugh, you were Brian Kelly, you with, uh, you know, uh, Mario Cristobal with Oregon, you know, you with Dan Mullen in Florida. So it, it changes daily. And then all of a sudden, I'm just like, all right, well, you know, I got to find something strategic with him. Um, the biggest thing with this kid right now is he's such a, you have to, he has this circle, he has this bubble. He does not let many people in that bubble. So once you enter that bubble, like he, that means he trusts you. Mm -hmm. um, like I said, he, he's, uh, he's, he's loving. When, he's, when you got him, he's, he's going to give you everything. And that's the big thing for him is he feels as though he needs to meet these staffs, needs to meet these coaches. You know, he's intrigued with Jimbo, Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M. Never got a chance to visit that because of the pandemic. He's intrigued with uh, Oklahoma, Lincoln Riley. He's never been a Norman, Oklahoma. You know, uh, and Roy Manning, the connection to Michigan is Roy Manning's there, you know, recruiting him. And on top of that, DeMarco Murray, who had a fabulous career at Oklahoma and was uh, the leading, the, the, the rushing champ in the NFL. So that's intriguing for a kid like that. Um, you know, it's intriguing. Coach Norvell at Florida State, you know, you watch these great Memphis teams and you watch that these running backs are rushing for 2,000 yards. And you're like, is he going to bring that same thing to Florida State, which has been running back you? You know, with Demonte Freeman and Cam Akers and some of the other guys, uh, Delvin Cook, you know, you, you wonder, you know, the kid's intrigued by that. You're mm -hmm. supposed to take a trip. So he had all these trips lined up, flights paid for, you know, and never got a chance to take them. So he's taking his time in, and now it's, you could tell me anything over a Zoom call, right? Mm -hmm. you, could, you, could, you, could, you could paint this pretty picture of what everything looks like, but that's not, the, the reality is not behind the screen. It's in person. Mm -hmm. So that's that's what's holding up his recruitment. He wants to make sure that uh, if this is indeed what it is, I want to make the best calculated decision for myself. Well, I mean, there's certainly no rush. And yeah, you know, I was curious. What what is your opinion? You know, these kids. Some of them do video. Some of them will say, "I've got my list narrowed to 20," and then they'll put out a tweet. And it's you know, they. I mean, I guess they're having fun with it. Do you roll your eyes, or do you, you just like just make you know decide? <laughs> if I, I can show you a text message. I had a kid who said, Coach, I want to drop my top seven. What do you think? My emoji. The, the, I don't, you know, that, I give You're them shrugging. that. that I, just shrug, I shrug. I like, I don't, I don't care. Like, that does nothing. Like, like, top seven is like, top seven means I don't. But like I said, I know based on what I see in the pros and cons list. I'm like, why is it even seven when it's really three or four? That's why I could care less about it. Yeah, the videos though they all they you know they're all trying to top each other. It seems like I don't yeah. know. And then some of them just decide, and you know that's it. They move on private that yeah. way. 
but it, how do you think, I mean, we've had a lot of discussion, obviously the big 10 composite schedule came out and, and maybe there's a football season, maybe who knows? I mean, how do you think high school football might look? It's look different. Um, I think if we do get this thing going, I think we'll have a reduced season. Uh, mm -hmm. Very similar to of that of a college football. You know, we play nine games in Michigan. Maybe you reduce it to seven, eight, six games. Um, the ultimate goal is to play. You want to get the kids on the field. Um, and the ultimate goal is to crown the champion. How do you do that? What it looks like? I'm not sure of it. You know, this virus uh, has a mind of its own. And, and you know, if, if we continue to not do things the right way as far as not wearing our mask and not properly social distancing and whatnot, um, this virus isn't going anywhere and we won't get a chance to do the things that we love. So from a high school standpoint, we start up August 10th. You know, that's the goal. Um, we're going to start up and we're going to do things the best of our abilities. I think most coaches are uh, in favor of doing that because everyone loves football and everyone wants an opportunity to play. So, um, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic, but there's, there's times when, um, you know, you look at the MLB and how this virus has spread amongst their sport and, you see uh, the NFL guys, you know, every every day there's, you know, five, six different cases of prominent. Those are prominent players. We're not talking about, you know, guys that many people don't really know about. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, just kind of do due diligence. And, you know, <laughs> we, do, we take it one day at a time. That, that's all you can do. You, you, could, you could prepare for the future, but, but take it one day at a time. Well, and you guys have limited resources compared to, to say, a Michigan, a Michigan State. I mean, are you going to be able to get full face uh, guards, you know, for their masks? And, um, you know, will they have to wear masks? I mean, how do, how do you how do you approach this? Yeah, we, we recommended all our players have masks on their helmets, um, you know, to, to to ensure that, you know, if you're walking around with a mask on, you know, to stop, you know, um, the spread of the virus, mm -hmm. you should have a mask on with a helmet on as well. You know, mm -hmm. we encourage our parents and our kids to, to get masks, um, not the masks we wear in our everyday lives, but they are masks that are made by Rydell and Shut to put over your uh, uh, face guards. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, that's, that's our goal. And, um, you know, we're just trying to do things the right way uh, just so we can have some normal. Um, you know, we start school, we're uh, remote with the high school kids. And um, it's going to be different. It's you just hope that the kids are, you know, you know, if they do travel, they do things the right way. And um, you hope that, um, you know, I encourage my parents when you guys do travel or you are at a family event that's, you know, multiple people, maybe you should look at getting tested. Mm -hmm. um, we don't have the funds or the resources to get tested, uh, but we do our screenings. We do temperature checks and we do, um, you know, screenings as far coughing, sneezing, or have you been in contact with someone um, that's had COVID? You know, things with the MHSAA uh, recommends us to do. But like I said, there's a lot of, you know, there's probably, you know, asymptomatic kids walking around that you just don't know. They don't know that they um, acquired the virus and they're walking around with the virus. You just pray and hope that um, it doesn't spread if a kid does have it. And if it does, what is the next, what's the protocol? Well, regardless how this year goes, Ron, I mean, you've had Tremendous success at West Bloomfield. It's uh, what seven straight straight trips to the playoffs. You were seventeen ch state championship runner up and coach of the year that year. Congratulations to your Thank three you. later. Um, yeah. I think you've been so successful. You know, it's uh, you know we have a great team. You know, in, in terms of our coaching staff, phenomenal, phenomenal guys. Uh, they work diligent. You know, for these kids, with these kids, uh, we have great administration. Uh, great administration. 
um, the support is, is second to none. And, um, you know, we're just glad that we could be, uh, you know, we could help these kids uh, do great things, give them some hope. And, and these kids are, they're making the most of their opportunities. And that's all you can ask for as a coach. You know, Ron, before I, I wanted to ask you one thing, uh, backpedaling a little bit to recruiting. Do you think with, with COVID and, and all the delays this year and, and all the uh, uncertainties, you know, there's been the movement toward the early signing period um, instead of the traditional fe February, the, you know, the first Wednesday in February, and you're seeing all these kids sign in, in December. Do you think that's going to change this year, that kids are going to want a little more time? It's going to be – it's weird. You know, I, I look at these kids, you know, around the country, uh, if a state is playing football – you know, I look at the state of Michigan, for instance. Um, if a kid – if we're playing football in Michigan – in a state like California say that, hey, you know, we're going to start football in January. If you're a prospect or a kid that's, that's on the verge of, you know, having some power five offers, do you move to Michigan, right, to a state like this to go and play a season with an unknown coach, unknown football program with the, with the hopes of getting a, a scholarship opportunity? You know, those college coaches aren't really recruiting the schools in January. Illinois said they're going in February. Mm -hmm. If you have a December signing period, I, there's no Illinois football for me to evaluate. I'm going to recruit and evaluate the kids who are in session playing ball. So those are a lot of factors, I think, that's going to um, – you're going to see a lot of kids. Uh, you know, J.J. McCarthy, you know, Michigan's uh, top committed kid is uh, IMG Academy in, uh, mm -hmm. in uh, Bradenton, Florida. So, you know, you're looking at a lot of things to that nature that, uh, you know, decisions that – that uh, is going to really affect it. I'm not quite sure what the NCAA is going to do, if they're going to extend it. But I do know if you're at your, your team, like the University of Michigan, and you have a top 10 recruiting class, you have a lot of great kids. You want that December signing period. You want to sign these kids as quickly <laughs> as possible. You, know, you want to lock them up and don't give them opportunities. So, um, you know, that's, that, that December signing day period is going to happen. You know, I don't think yeah. the NCAA is going to change that. But you wonder if they're going to take the February and move it back to April or something. You know, do your kids ever get a hold of your video, your clips from college? They ever see them and make fun of you? They do. They do. I mean, not make. I mean, I, there's no reason to make fun of you, but you know that they would. Oh no, they make fun of it. They say, "Why is your first and foremost?" They're like, "You played on grass." Like these kids have no idea what grass is to play football. They're like, "You played on grass." I'm like, "Yeah, we played on grass." Like, how was that? <laughs> I'm like, "What do you mean? How was that?" Um, what else they talk about? Uh, my high school film is a little grainy. They're like. Do you have grainy film? Like, why is your film so – who films your games? And back then, it was like, I thought it was really good quality of film, you know? And I'm like, man, this is what the norm was in the 90s. Like, you guys are – these remember, this is 20 years ago. So, uh, these kids, they, you know, if you can't – you don't have HD and it's not they, – they can't stop and pause it on their – they can't watch it on their phones, it's not as good as it is if they go watch it on their phones. <laughs> I know Mike Hart was telling me, you know, at Indiana, some of the running backs got a hold of his film and they just, you know, sit there and make fun of him. I'm like, okay, he's the leading, all-time leading rusher at Michigan. What are you making? He didn't fumble until that last bowl game, that last yeah. game. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's different. These kids are, uh, they're one of a kind. You know, it's not just my kids, it's kids around the country. And, man, it's, it's they just can't envision themselves living uh, that's, that's like the, that's like the LeBron James, Michael Jordan argument. Um, you know, kids today are just like, they've never seen Mike play live. So LeBron is the greatest basketball player of all time. Right. Right. You know what I'm saying? But I still think it's MJ and the same is true with our film. 
They're like, man, if I played y'all air coach, I man, I'd be all American. <laughs> no, you wouldn't. Yeah, it's we, like you're we, playing tennis with a wooden racket. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, we we would uh we would demolish you guys because we would be a lot more physical than you guys are accustomed to. <laughs> uh oh, it's gonna be like that. I see. Oh man. Well, I mean, do you do you ever run routes at practice? You know, I show them some stuff. I don't, I don't run around anymore, but I, you know, I show them some stuff at the top of their routes and um, I'm very hands-on where I can pull film up. Um, I have a lot of teaching tapes and, and I try to be creative from that standpoint. And um, I do get college film from colleges. So different teaching tapes, I'm able to, you know, uh, you know, you know, pop the tape in or I'm able to kind of pull up the email or, or, or share it with the kids and they can see exactly what it looks like. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, I, I, you know, I think that they're learning from the best, right? Who was the who was the uh, the best best defensive player you went up against in college, or even on your team in practice? I thought the best one in practice every day for me was um, um, Marlon Jackson. Mm-hmm. One against mm-hmm. Marlon, he was younger, but you could see he was destined for greatness at a young age. He was so confident, and you know, he had the God given abilities of being big, fast, strong, and um, you know, though, that that guy, he, he posed a lot of challenges uh, for me even than him. Um, as far as comp- from a competition standpoint, man, it was some it was some great ones. Um, I enjoyed my battles with Chris Gamble at Ohio State, who wound up, um, you know, being a Thorpe Award winner. Um, and I'll even go back to high school, going to uh, my good friend and former high school teammate, Ryan Clark, who's on ESPN. Uh, just those battles, you get to go every day and practice go against, um, you know, a 13-year NFL vet, you know, uh, 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 college All-American. You're doing it in high school every day, and it only makes you better. And, uh, and I've, I've gone against some great ones. And, um, you know, fortunate I had a, I had a great experience of uh, competing with those great guys. That's great, Rod. I, I, uh, I appreciate it. This has been fun, and I love getting all your insight into recruiting. I mean, you've been there, you know, from both sides of this. You were recruited, and, you know, you had the great ones, the Fred Jacksons of the world coming after you. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. You, know, um, you know what's intriguing about this, too, is uh, when, when Jeremy Jackson and Josh Jackson were getting recruited, Fred would call me and kind of get my uh, thought process on it. And I said, man, it's just it's, it's mind-boggling that and you see it with the NFL guys, too, that call about their kids. It's like you live this life every day in recruiting, but you guys really, when it comes to your kids, you really don't understand the game. You know, you, get, you see it from a whole different lens, and then you're like, let me lean on someone else to help me. And um, I remember Jeremy came out, and we talked about him loving Iowa and Michigan, mm-hmm. and the Gators came in late. And you know, when, when Josh came out, is you know, Virginia Tech, and, you know, we were trying um, – you know, wanted wanted Jim to kind of take Josh when he was coming out of Celine High School. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 uh like I said, man. A lot of people don't. You know, you see it, you see what these kids sign, but as a process and behind the scenes thing that go in with it, man, it's uh it's pretty uh it's pretty compelling. Well, I mean, we look forward to seeing a college football season, a high school football season, God willing, and you know everyone can stay safe. So, you know, I hope we get to see you on the sideline, Ron, and I hope it's not just virtual. Uh, conversations all the time and virtual recruiting as it is someday it'll return to some sort of normal I hope but but until then I, I'm, I'm grateful for your time and um, you know you were great to cover 
and um, and and you've been great to cover now too. So you know, I saw you as a as a young adult, and now as an adult as a as a head coach. So it's been great. No, thank you for having me on. Um, this was a blast. It's always good to uh, you know talk, you know, reminisce and and share some stories and share some insight and uh, people see you, you know in a different lens. Uh, you know, a lot of people know me as as an athlete. People know me as a coach now, you know, kind of sharing my stories as a, as a dad and a husband and, um, you know, some funny stories that people, you know, you don't associate certain coaches with, but uh, it's pretty cool. Pretty cool to tell that story. So thanks for having me on. Well, before I forget, your father-in-law, I mean, you mm-hmm. exchange football stories with him much? Not only my father-in-law, my brother-in-law, my wife's sister married Tim Piaka Batuka. Oh, gosh, that's right. I forgot about that. So, yeah, so, so Bianca Batuka is my brother-in-law, and Dexter Bussey is my father-in-law. Played uh, 11 years with the Lions, um, third all in Lions history. Um, you have one yeah. thing on him. You were on the 0-16 team. He was, I was on the 0-16 team. But, no, Angelique, when I tell you, when competitive juices never leave a human being. <laughs> and so my father-in-law, um, at the time, he, uh, him and his business partner had a medical staffing company. They were trying to figure out the name for it. And they came up with the name – one more yard. So I'm asking Dex, I'm like, Dex, uh, what's the significance behind what name of your company, One More Yard? He was like, I'm the third all-time leading rusher in Lions history. I go, yeah, I know that. He goes, it's Barry Sanders, Billy Sims, then me. I'm like, yeah, I know that. What, tell me, the, what's the punchline? He goes, Billy Sims has one more yard rushing than I do. <laughs> so this was, a, this, this, this was uh, Jim Schwartz was the head coach at the time. <laughs> and I was... Matt Millen at the time was still a, uh, the, the team president and general manager. So I never got an opportunity to do it, but I wanted to call Matt Millen. And I wanted to tell Matt, I said, Matt, if you could give my father-in-law an opportunity to run a fullback dive for two yards, <laughs> and he can, he can move, he can supplant himself as the second all-time leading rusher in Lions history, I said, that'd be okay. That, I'll, I'll be okay with that. I'll sign off on that. But you know, sometimes I hope that, you know, we, you know, we hire, we, we, we draft or sign this big time running back who comes in and he becomes the second all-time lead rusher just so that this, you know, being the third or fourth is not that big of a difference, but everybody wants, at least you could say I was behind Barry Sanders. Right? <laughs> exactly. That's my, uh, that, I, I love Dex. Uh, he's a great guy, but I'm like, man, I'm like, this is, this is borderline being petty. And the part that really makes it petty is he was the leading rusher, right? He was the man. He was the running back. And when Billy Sims was drafted, my father-in-law went from the tailback to the fullback. So now mm-hmm. he had a block for this guy. So now his rushing yards went down. And I told him, I say, man, I say, think about all the times that you might have got a, you know, a two-yard loss or a one-yard loss. I'm like, that's why you're in third, not second. <laughs> yeah, you're really helping, Ron. It's really good. <laughs> I tease him about it, but it's all about it's all about it. Oh, well, and of course, uh, Bianca Patuka, everybody knows, every Michigan fan knows Tim Bianca Patuka, so. Touchdown, Tim. Touchdown, Tim. Yeah, yes, yeah, you know, <laughs> now, Uncle, Uncle Tim is, Uncle Tim is pretty cool, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, everyone, uh, he's a bright guy, he's so, he's sharp and, um, you know, articulate and, and, and it's so hard to, for outside who's just getting to know Tim to understand what his dialect but it, it, it's so cool to just watch him being the dad and, you know, watch him being the brother, right, and, and, and watch him being the, uh, uh, the uncle, right, to mm-hmm, my kids. Mm-hmm. So, you know, my kids are FaceTime 
there called Tim and, you know, Uncle Tim and, you know, just <laughs> jumping on him. And now that my brother-in-law, you know, Tim and my sister-in-law, Tia, um, they had a son, uh, my, my nephew Easton to be two. But before then, you know, Tim would do everything with my son just mm -hmm. because it's like I have two daughters. Like, you know, it's fun to have a nephew and watch him. And, you know, he's, he's you know, came to my son's, like, comes to flag football games from Charlotte. <laughs> So it's fun watching that part of like the family kind of getting together and uh, just, and my son is, uh, he loves running back, like, mm -hmm. his father mm -hmm. like his grandfather, like his uncle. So uh, now it'd be cool if he played running back. No, it's not as cool to play receiver, right? You got to be the running back. Yep. yep. <laughs> nope. Always cool to play receiver too, Ron, but, uh, but thank you. I really, uh, really do appreciate your time. I know you're busy and, and getting ready for this uh, fingers crossed football season and uh, um, look forward to seeing where all your, uh, all your seniors are going to be committing. So not Donovan. So I know that's what everybody, Michigan fans interested in, but, but seeing where all your guys go and see if you're right. If you, if your uh, your hunches are right on these guys. So. Well, 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 one of the kids just, uh, he dropped the top seven today, so. <laughs> <laughs> top seven. Okay. Uh, that's, that's, you know, got to commit to somebody at some point. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty cool, man. I, I want to do a, I, I, I thought about actually doing like a documentary so uh, a lot of these fans can kind of like follow what the recruiting process like looks like from a coach's standpoint and a player's standpoint. And you watch the dialogue, you literally watch the back and forth between um you know coaches and players i'm just show you like a <laughs> i mean it's pretty cool i don't know if i can if you guys can see hold on a little sec well, i think chris sour could be your uh your your you know guy put the show together can you see that oh yeah yeah so that's pretty cool yeah university of george ah university of george with donovan edwards you know it, it's those type of graphics that you know the graphics when you send it to the coach, like, why are you send that to the coach, you know, but you want to recruit the coach just as much as you want to recruit the kid, you know, so mm -hmm. that the coach can kind of, you know, speak highly of that university. So it's, it's pretty cool, man. But if we could do some type of documentary or something, um, mm -hmm. that'd be awesome. Not myself, but any high school coach, uh, just to kind of give the fans and uh, the media personnel an opportunity to see what it looks like on a day-to-day -day basis, uh, how these kids make their decisions would be pretty neat and unique. And how time-consuming it is. I mean, it's extremely yeah, it on both sides. Well, you know, you got the West Coast coaches. We got national kids. You got the West Coast coaches calling at, you know, 10 o'clock at night. And it's like, oh, sorry, coach. I didn't, you know, want to call you too late. It's like, it's 10 o'clock at night. There's only seven here, <laughs> you know. God, it's crazy. Well, I think it's a great idea. I look forward to seeing that, too. <laughs> when <laughs> oh, Rod. Well, thank you. I really, really appreciate it. And uh, no problem at all. I had fun. It was, it was fun. It was uh, great to see you again and always great to talk to you. you uh, you're one of my fave and you do such an excellent job uh, in the sports world. And you know, having a young daughter who loves sports, uh, you know, I inspire her to, uh, to be like you. Oh, well, that's, that's very flattering, Ron. I hope so. I hope better. So, yeah. uh, but I, I appreciate it. I look forward to, to seeing this season. I hope it unfolds as, as uh, you're hoping to. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to A View from the Press Box with me, Angelique Shingelis of the Detroit News. I know the podcasts have been a little longer than even I anticipated lately, but I hope you agree that the conversations have been worthwhile. And with that, I want to thank this week's guest, Ron Bellamy, 
I knew him first as a receiver at Michigan and now watching him with great interest as West Bloomfield's football coach. I hope you enjoyed our wide-ranging conversation as much as I did. And thanks for listening, and and please visit DetroitNews.com where you should read all of our sports coverage, but it's okay if you skip a Wojo column here and there. In fact, I encourage it. Thanks for listening.